Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop, opening the doors for another special trading information episode. Eric is on his way to Vegas, so he won't be joining us today, but we have got Joe Sakala from the Dream Exchange here to kind of talk about some important news that they've got going on this week. Uh, before we do that, though, let me just take a quick minute to say a thank you to our sponsors and friends over at Manscaped Trade Pro and Orderflow Labs. Manscaped is the best below the waist grooming with precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And with the holidays coming up, now's the perfect time to take advantage of our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code 2Bulls at manscaped.com. As always, that's the number two. When it comes to institutional trading education, make sure you check out tradeproacademy.com, our free Discord server. You'll also find instructions to take advantage of a discount with them as well. And for those degenerates who enjoy trading futures, you'll definitely want to check out the custom tools and studies at orderflowlabs.com. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, want to learn more about today's guests, check out the Dream Exchange. Joe, where's the link where they can find you? Dreamx.com uh, is our website, D-R-E-A-M-E-X.com. Excellent. And if you've got any uh, questions or corrections or suggestions for future guests, you can reach us at email at twobowls at financialineptitude.com. You can join that free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Be sure to put links for everything in the episode description. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk to today's special guest. Joe, what's the big news? Or what's been going on since we last talked to you, actually? Yeah, it's been a while, Kyle. Thank you for having me back. I mean, the big news, we just uh, sent out our press release on the relationship that we've recently created with the Members Exchange, mm -hmm. and a bit of a, I don't know, I'd call it an unprecedented uh, development in exchange technology and marketplace, where uh, Members Exchange has agreed, uh, we've selected them to host certain technologies of our exchange. We expect to be getting our license application out the door soon and open this year. And Memex is just a really proven technology. They're the newest of the seven major exchanges in the U.S. And I, we've been in a, a fairly lengthy, almost a year-long process in talks with Memex because we've done a lot of our own construction. And, mm. um, you know, financial technology has changed quite a bit since... Uh, 27 years ago, I want to say, when I was right. when I was puttering around with the archipelago people, and the changes are so dramatic and significant. And what I think about the members' exchanges, they're really doing it right. They have done an outstanding job of making the most simple order book and engine of the exchanges that are in the market today. I think it's evidence because they're being so successful. They only opened their exchange two years ago, and they were approaching 7% market share 
which is quite an impressive uh, feat. They're they're just a really quality trade execution environment, and they've got great technical people. And uh, we're we're just having kind of a, a what I would call a bit of a love fest between DreamX and Memex right now because we're looking forward to enhancing. Uh, you know, there's really kind of a synergistic I, it's not my favorite word in the world but uh, <laughs> if but you're it, a ceo you gotta learn that word yeah right? <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm learning that job i'm learning that job slowly but yeah it, there's there's a tremendous compliment i guess because their technological approach which is a a really simple and compliant and proven set of technologies uh, mm-hmm. that makes a trading environment for their members, you know, just extraordinarily uh, easy. And the, our compliment is, you know, our concentration in the future will be on the IPO markets and especially in formulating small cap uh, listings, getting smaller cap companies back to the market. So partnering with an a, a, a exchange like Memex then is is kind of a huge step into to getting everything put together and opening the doors for your your, your plans, right? Yes, absolutely. It, it's uh, a lot of our kind of our slows this past year have been certain decision making. I mean, a stock exchange is basically a set of rules by which the game of the buying and selling and trade matching of of shares takes place, mm-hmm. and with this new relationship, we're going to be able to make some final decisions on our rule book. And once we've established how the trading operations and rules for the Dream Exchange will function, that will give us a green light on our licensing process with the SEC. You know, I think the members exchange is really just doing an outstanding job of keeping investor protection compliance um, having a simple environment, but also staying at kind of state of the art technology. Mm-hmm. We really wanted to partner with their firm. Our technology people are are second to none as well. Um, our, our CTO and our our team of tech people are among the best in the industry as well. So some of the best of the industry trading technology people are now meeting to formulate really what the dream exchange will look like in the future. And that's really the focus, which is how do we streamline and take certain of the um, barriers of member exchange membership, which really translates into the trading environment so that traders have an easier time executing their plans. Mm-hmm. And when we take that and we add it to our plans for how to do capital formation activities with small cap companies, we're going to be quite formidable. I think that we're going to see a lot of activity in a market that really hasn't existed for close to 20 years. Um, That's the main focus. The Dream Exchange, I mean, I don't know if everyone remembers, but our main focus is enhancing participation of the entrepreneurial or earlier stage companies. We are a minority-owned exchange, the first one in the history of the country. Yep. And there's a segment of our of our country that are tremendously talented entrepreneurs with great ideas, and uh, they there's a very long timetable between you know early rounds of venture capital, 
uh, later rounds of venture capital and some private equity investing that stays out of the public markets. And what we want to do is offer those companies an opportunity to become part of the ecosystem so that trade speculators can get in earlier and look at the earlier stage companies and be able to do what was done in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, which was get in early on an IPO. You don't even hear that expression anymore. Um, <laughs> right. You know, as well as allow for healthy trade speculation in the small cap markets, which right now, small cap companies really don't have a plan of public company, you know, capital formation. I remember the last time we talked, and I'll make sure there's links for the uh, the previous discussion in, in the description here if anybody wants to, to follow up on that. But yeah, I remember a lot of the conversation was around the, the different paths that people have to becoming a publicly traded company. And really, there's only like three, right? You have IPO, you have direct listing, and then you have SPAC. Right. And and today, I mean, the, I kind of predicted this. I don't remember what the timing of our last uh, conversation was, but the SPAC market has proven to be fairly ineffective. Um, yep. In fact, coming up, we're, we'll be having a white paper uh, on the SPAC market and, and, and SPACs generally to both educate and, and inform because I think there's a preconceived notion that, oh, SPAC is, um, I want to be public, so therefore I'll be a SPAC. It's actually the opposite mechanics, which is a SPAC is formed, the capital is raised, and then the management team looks for a company to acquire right. by rule. So that's a difficult process for a company. They have to become the proverbial choice of the yeah. SPAC. And then, you know, direct public listings are a new phenomena which in the larger cap transactions are probably a lot more difficult. We like the large caps. We're not saying we're going to exclude large capital, you know, billion or multi-billion dollar IPOs. Uh, it's just that in that marketplace, the, the necessity to have an investment bank and a book runner and, you know, look, if you need a billion dollars, there are, there's not a lot of people in the Rolodex you can call. <laughs> right. um, so that's a healthy market for the unicorns and for more mature companies, because let's face it, you know, the Morgan Stanleys and JP Morgans and Goldman's that are doing those transactions really do help capital markets by getting those companies to the public. They certainly help themselves along the way. You know, and, and let me say this, uh, as a guy who's been in the capital markets for nearly 30 years, there's a, there's a bit of a lesson that I've learned, which is other people making money isn't offensive to me. Mm -hmm. um, it, so long as we're all able to participate and make some, make some money and earn a living ourselves. So those markets are, they're good markets. What we're trying to do is expand the opportunity into a marketplace that has been underserved. So that therein lies the, you know, smaller cap companies really don't have a go-to exchange, number one. And number two, um, there's a whole underserved set of communities, you know, the, especially the black community. We, we're finding that there are some really outstanding small companies that are minority owned that, uh, you know, no one's calling them. And when now that we're there, there are many listings of those companies that will come to the marketplace 
form capital, get secondary liquidity in a stock exchange environment, and really grow and be healthy, which makes the purpose of the exchange, you know, our purposes are really to get increased participation in the capital market system of the country. And, you know, the more the merrier, as long as there's an exchange there, you know, I think, right. listen, recently you can see, I don't know that we want to get on, into this on your show, but <laughs> an unregulated marketplace that doesn't have trustworthy information and doesn't have a listing process for a company to go through a due diligence period and have people weighing in on the organic inv- investment opportunity so that it's credible. Well, those markets are, they're very, very volatile and very risky. Uh, FTX failed in an unregulated environment. Like I said, that's a topic of an entire other show, but no regulation. No, Nobody's there regulating what what those organizations are doing. And we're very different from that. We're a stock exchange that likes rules and regulations. But we just want to make them easy to follow and easier to follow for small cap companies so that good, healthy, expandable companies can get to the American investing public and, and the trade speculating marketplace and increase the, the number of opportunities for people to make money. So long term, then, is the goal to be like a stepping stone for like the bigger exchanges or are you trying to carve out your own niche and and grow it to, to maybe challenge those? Well, no, I think it's much more of the stepping stone environment. We actually talk about it in terms of an ecosystem mm-hmm. that, you know, you can plant a lot of venture capital and angel investor seeds. Those companies that do well will grow. They reach a plateau where you know, they need second, third round, or they need a private equity round, or they need more capital to fully expand. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, the marketplace does not entertain as an option those public offerings. At one time, I mean, if you go back using, we have a lot of research on this, you know, there were, and an, I don't want to say an, an average every year, because some years, uh, maybe it tanked, other years, it was much higher. But there were five, six hundred small cap IPOs every year for decades. And now, I mean, if there's if there's 50 in a year, that's a banner year. Some years there have been, you know, double digit. So why do you think that is? You know, there's a lot of blame that has been placed on, oh, companies don't want to go public because of the increased cost and the regulatory environment is too onerous and um, they don't want those rules and regulations put on them. That's actually quite wrong-headed. I think primarily, the, you know, I don't want to say the only reason, but a primary reason is what we just talked about. Investment banks, stock exchanges generally, they make money on trading volume. Trade execution volume is the way exchanges make money. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to know that there's a contra side to the market and a, a you know always going to have a bid offer so that lots of volume will be created is why institutions and investment banks really want larger IPOs. It's a more broadly traded uh, security. Right. So with the advent of you know high frequency trading and financial technologies, the amounts of money that can be made on a billion dollar IPO over time really are geometrically more than a small cap IPO, but it costs the mm. the the 
intermediaries and service providers pretty much the same amount to do a small cap IPO. So it's kind of a not worth their time kind of thing. Not worth their time. So what we're doing is we're formulating a way to make it worth everyone's time so Mm -hmm. that intermediaries can make money. We can create a listing process that helps put transparency and investor protections in place and attract more of those small companies. And, you know, we're interested. We're going to be a small exchange. So where, uh, you know, someone is approaching NYSE or or NASDAQ, uh, the interest at NASDAQ is higher in the large cap offerings because they have an enormous organization. So we're much smaller. We can be much more nimble. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to, you know, add a considerable amount of our own expense to formulating that market. And we can help middle market brokers and middle market investment banks, which of which there are fewer today. But we want to grow that market as well and help those folks, you know, make more money. And then the other side to this is wealth creation and trade speculation, because, you know, people have built fortunes by correctly identifying what to invest in early. Mm -hmm. That's been the primary wealth creation mechanic of many, many of financial intermediaries and stockbrokers, you know, throughout the last, you know, 50 years. It's just, it's been gone for close to 20 years. So when we do that, it opens a door and there are a lot of people waiting to get through that door. So it's more ecosystem. It's a stepping stone in that the market doesn't really exist today. Right. So when we put that there, those companies can then be kind of cultivated in a exchange-friendly environment. And, you know, we're, we've been pushing hard to um, have the Main Street Growth Act legislation get for the second time unanimously through Congress. It went through in 2018. <laughs> I remember we talked about that and then we never really heard what happened to it after the fact. Yeah. So, to, to, I mean, <laughs> talk about a, um, you know, bizarre set of circumstances. You know, the Main Street Growth Act creates venture exchanges, which are specifically designed for the small cap marketplace. In 2018, the bill passed both the House and the Senate unanimously. And then when they shut the government down at the end of the year, no legislation that had passed uh, was able to go into the next Congress. So all the attached legislation to the final appropriations bill was uh, tabled till future Congresses. And then then we had COVID. And- oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah. Oh, my God. You have no idea. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, so close. Yeah. Talk about putting a pause in our business plan. But, you know, now uh, I think that it, it the end of this year looks like there's a, a possibility that it will be included, mm-hmm. uh, m- perhaps remote, but it's still a possibility only because there just has not been a concentration. You know, as Congress's shift, the concentration of the House of Representatives certainly for the last two years has been on Uh, consumer protections Mm -hmm. in banking and financial markets. So that concentration just hasn't allowed the Congress time to really include this bill. Uh, But it did get a hearing. It did go through the whole process again. Um, There there really isn't any 
opponents. Yeah, there's not much you can do about it. You just got to wait for them to pass it. Yeah, I think the next two years, um, it'll either pass. The, I think it's a matter of when the bill will pass rather than whether it will pass. And the nice thing about our new relationship as we move along with Memex, we're going to be formulating the graduation rules. So in other words, as companies, when the legislation passes, we're going to create that market. But we want the companies to be able to choose to graduate even in their earlier stages Mm -hmm. to the national exchange, which we'll be able to do now. So when we, you know, shortly after we open, we're going to have listings available to much smaller companies. Even companies at the $50 million cap raise level will be eligible for our um, our listing scheme. So that that's going to happen no matter what happens with any legislation. Okay. But the legislation passing allows us to really dig deep with different types of protections for both the company and the investor and mm-hmm. do a venture IPO as little as, you know, 15 or $20 million. Oh. And those, those are opportunities that give a bit of leverage to venture capitalists because maybe they want to commit, you know, some portion of their VC fund and then enhance that with a, a venture offering so they don't have to be the only VC in the deal. Right, right. Uh, they can also... It, it, it stops them from having to go syndicate to get uh, additional money. So smaller venture capital funds will really be able to take great advantage of the venture market. And then they've got a, they've got a liquidity market. In other words, the private company capital raising that goes on today, well, as soon as you make your private company investment, the first thing you learn is uh, there's no secondary market. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're, you're, you're in. with them. Yeah. So... The quality companies that will go through a fairly extensive, you know, listing process with us will have a secondary market. They'll they'll have liquidity. People can then make their fifteen million dollar investment, and when the company's worth one hundred and fifty million, they can harvest some or none, and they can do so for any reason or no reason at all. It's a really nice free market system. It shortens their timeline. And allows them to be able to exit and redeploy into other things much, much easier, right? And it leaves the company in the ecosystem as a public company so that as it expands, we can graduate them. Right. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen. And I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Um, so the this is, you know, something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching 60. So I, I hope I live long enough to see it to its full growth and maturity. But 
this is a brand new market that doesn't even exist today that I think over the next 10, 15 years is going to become a household way of doing things. I think that it's a household name will become venture exchanges and you know, I'm hoping Dream Exchange becomes a household name. Well, I'm hoping we get you back on again when you get something. The next, well, what is the next big step? Actually, let me just ask you that before we finish up. So now that we've, now that we're collaborating and putting the exchange technology kind of in place, the next big date is when we file our our Form One application, mm-hmm. which we're expecting to do this spring, and. With, then there'll be a period of time where, you know, the SEC has an opportunity to, to stress test and examine us. I think we're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're at exchange opening. However, in between then, what we'll be doing is, and you know, for your listeners, whoever contacts us, we're going to start a process in our kind of member service area where brokers and traders will be able to come to some symposiums we're going to hold next year and give us, give us their thoughts on, you know, what would be optimal. And we want, we're not going to assume that the rules of our IPO process are always right. We're going to listen to the audience of our customers and not that everyone's going to come in and write our rules, but we want to be able to conduct some activities where, the invitation for those who actually use the products will be considered as we formulate our our next uh, changes. So this coming year is going to be a lot of doing a lot of things like this to get the word out to make sure that the market participants can actually see a little bit of what we intend to do and weigh in and we can consider all the bright ideas of all aspects of the market, from the trade speculators to the VCs to the investment banks to the even the retail investing market, we want to hear from the people so that we can make our exchange a people's exchange. Um, and you know, I give you my thoughts already, and you're already doing the one thing I want, which is to have to, to enable access to everybody to some things like, like the IPOs. Every time I've tried to take part in any IPO that I've seen come up, I've never even gotten a whiff of a share. Yeah, get, getting in early is not even an expression anymore. Getting no. getting in after the fact is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. So that, that'll be part of, of the conversation that we're trying to forward because, you know, like I said before, actually making it the people's exchange and it's it. It's encouraging. I mean, I love what I do because, first of all, it's a real pleasure to to begin this process and conversation in the black community because this isn't something that has been um, approached before. So mm-hmm. there's tremendous ideas and the companies and the ideas and the people that want to participate in the, you know, the American capital system is huge. And it's being so well received, it's it's kind of like an idea whose time has come. So, you know, everyone gets to be at the table. When we started this process, I've been working at this formulation of what, where we are today for close to 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and about five years ago, we did some marketing surveys and some fairly broad surveys. And the number one word that came back from the surveys 
as to what was needed and wanted by the marketplace from small cap companies to investors to VCs, the number one word was access, what you just said. <laughs> yep. I believe that. Yeah. So we want to have a venue that creates access, that that opens opportunity. And not every trade is a winner. Not every company is is uh, becomes a multi-billion dollar American fabric organization. No, but but I think what people want is just the ability to step up to the plate and take a shot. Precisely. The, the fact you can't, is... Yeah, if you can't even hold a bat, then, I mean, how are you ever going to... Yep. It, hit, hit, get a hit. <laughs> well, you you'll you'll you certainly will never find out your batting average. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah, and that that is a, a extremely high priority for us is paying careful attention to the fact that um, let the marketplace determine in a free and open marketplace what the best idea is and what the best mousetrap is, and the people who have those ideas should be rewarded. Yeah. And, that's that's the goal of the dream exchange is the reward ideas that are going to help us in the future. We don't want to lose the formulation of an idea that creates, you know, the next cure for cancer or the next, uh, you know, wireless technology or those people that are inventing things all over our country in laboratories and, um, you know, in, in technology rooms. Or even worse, that they don't have any way to capitalize on their ideas and end up having to sell it to somebody else. Who yeah, then then they're they're the ones who don't get rewarded for their idea, and it, yeah. it, it goes big. Or better yet, the the idea is shelved, or it just never has any legs. Right, right. Um, yeah. So the the access to the free marketplace of ideas, I think, is very much communication technology is telling us uh, this right now. That's a hell of a goal that you've taken on. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when I grew up, there were five TV channels, and that right. was your choice. And I, I, most my kids don't even watch TV now. It's the, no. the the Internet of Things has become the way we communicate. Um, so we need to take a little bit of the adaptation of the free marketplace of communication, put it in the exchange environment without losing sight of the fact that we need investor protection, we need a regulated marketplace, we need oversight to make sure that people are safe mm -hmm. in making their investments and companies are safe so yep. they don't get ripped off. Oh, Joe, this has been fascinating again, as always. Uh, I highly encourage everyone to check out the the last conversation that we had so they can kind of catch up and, and hear the full discussion uh, that we had on the uh, the vision for the Dream Exchange. Uh, the website that people need to go and check out if they want to become uh, members, uh, DreamX, D-R-E-A-M-E-X.com. And it looks like there's links uh, on the main page to join the movement or become a member if you just scroll around in there. Yeah, right now it's a landing page. Our, we have a more full website about to be launched in a couple of weeks, and there'll actually be ways in the full website to come in and directly communicate with our staff and more information on who we are and what we're doing. And we'll be able to better route the interest and in communications, especially if there's, you know, the small brokers out there that are interested in becoming exchange members um, mm -hmm. in the future and the people who are out there doing the work of, of capital market liquidity creation. Those are folks we want to get over to our member services group and, 
have a discussion as to what it's going to take to to really trade in this market, not just as a retail trader, but how right. can you participate and, you know, participate making uh, making the market become a market. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well said, Joe. All right. Well, sadly, folks, we've come to the end of our time here with Joe. Uh, but don't worry, there's plenty of other stuff you can check out. We've got the website that we mentioned. Looks like there's an email on here. Can I share that with everybody? Uh, yeah. Info at dreamx.com. Yep. So if people have questions, uh, feel free to use that to, to, to reach out and learn more about what you guys got going on there. Uh, and then we've also got the the previous discussion that will be linked in this episode description uh, for everyone to check out there. Kyle, you're awesome. Thank you so much for having me again. No, thank you for, for setting this up. And thanks to Jane. Jane is really the unsung hero of this conversation because she's really uh, kept the kept the reminders coming to make sure yeah. that I got you back on here. Yeah, Jane Jane is super vigilant. In fact, and I've got uh, Gus Tucker, my member services VP, reminding me, December 16th, uh, we're hosting a webinar. Oh, excellent. And so if everyone wants to come to the webinar, you can get it through our website. And it, we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about our Memex relationship and kind of do a bit of what we did today, explaining to people how the market will change. So that's another way to get in touch with us. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, any final thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with Joe before we say goodbye? No, no, I, no, I'm, and I'm, and you know what? I, yeah, my team, I, I leave it out there. Please don't hesitate to talk to the team. We have really great people. I love my, my team of people. You mentioned Jane. Jane's actually born in Britain. I always tease once you once you meet Jane, you can't figure out how we actually won the Revolutionary War because um, she's uh, she's vigilant to say the least. So yeah, my, I I always like to encourage people to talk to our team. We have an amazing group of people, and don't be afraid to get in touch with us. And we we answer transparently all the questions you may have, and you know start communicating with us so we can hear from you as the market. And call your senators, too, and tell them to get moving on this uh, this Main Street Growth Act. Honestly, that's another. I, I don't want to forget it. But, yeah, actually, right now, it is the Senate's job. We've heard that it's going to be in the appropriations bill this month. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, call your senators and tell them to put it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's make democracy work for us for a change. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll be back at you soon with another exciting episode. But until then, I'll take care. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.